Welcome to the Wellbeing Accruable Podcast. I'm delighted to be chatting with Annalise Warren. Annalise empowers digital business owners to create true freedom in their lives by building systems into their business. Annalise is a business strategist and agency CEO, wife and mama of four little ones. After being denied a family-friendly work schedule in 2016, Annalise built a highly successful agency from her in-law's kitchen table, but had no idea how to run a business and created a virtual prison for herself. Annalise now teaches the seven simple systems that allowed her to break free, avoid burnout and transform her business into one that allows her to work part-time, give back, homeschool her children with her husband and enjoy their self-built beachside home. Annalise also shares her insight as host of the podcast and the Impact Business Show. And on today's podcast, we're chatting about women and ambitions. A very welcome to the podcast, Annalise Warren. How are you today, Annalise? I'm so great. Thank you so much for having me, David. Super. Now you can tell everybody, Annalise, what time is it where you are on planet Earth? <laughs> it is 05 a.m. Okay, so I have to be very, very, very quiet. So I've no. <laughs> so where are you right now on planet Earth? So I am almost at the bottom of Australia, um, down in Melbourne on the coast. So okay. thank you for having me from all the way across the pond. No, no, not not at all. I mean, and and what's the weather like? Make people jealous. Are we into the winter season? Are we still a little bit hot and sticky? No, we're winter. All right. And what's your yeah, typical winter? winter? A typical winter is between maybe three degrees Celsius and like fifteen. All right. Okay. That's uh... so. It's not. It's not terrible. But no. It's not. It's not pleasant. Right. <laughs> Especially when you're used to a lot of heat. So, okay, let if you're now working for TripAdvisor, or say, for example, right, what would your advertising be to travel to Australia right now, especially Melbourne? What would you say? What Give it to the people. Uh, it is beautiful. It, it is really beautiful. Just it's quite, it's a lot smaller and a bit more, relaxed but there's lots of great theater lots of restaurants lots of great coffee um melbourne's melbourne's fantastic actually you know what i went to sydney a couple of weeks ago and i was wearing a singlet it was like 20 degrees all right so maybe if you're coming in winter just don't come down this far (laughs) like (laughs) if you would like the warmth and just to stick to kind of midway or above and then you you may still go swimming who knows what what about the uh how do we say um australia is somewhat renowned for its um I won't say wildlife but insects and certain creatures that like to uh bite and so on is 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 that in your area by any chance it's so funny david it's just not even <laughs> a thing it's right. not even a like yes there there is, but you'll come here and you probably won't see anything unless you go looking for them. Right. So there's, there's no creepy like spiders. Right. Okay. Well there, it, well, there are. Yeah. If you go digging in the garden, like, yeah, you're going to find some things, but not just in general, everyday life. Right. I think maybe maybe because the rest of us are wimps. Because I'll be honest with you, I do scream quite loudly when I see a spider. So, uh, yeah. I don't, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't love spiders. But honestly, that's the question I get from so many people in Europe. I don't know what the marketing is, but we're really like, I'm like, what? It, no, but you're right. It's, it's like when you see a travel when you see a travel program or a magazine, they're like, they're like, they'll have like the Australian flag and then there'll be a hand. And then somebody will have, you know, the hats that have the uh, 
the corks on them for swatting flies. And then oh, yeah. <laughs> and it'll be like a spider close by. So it's uh, oh subliminal gosh. messages. <laughs> so at least no, now we've, we've like, gotten the facts. <laughs> The, the truth about like in regional areas is there is kangaroos in people's backyards and, you know, you'll see them when you drive, like lots of kangaroos in regional. Right. Or not not just rural areas. That's kind of, that is true. You go to the golf course and there'll be a bunch of kangaroos on the golf course. But are, are they quite friendly? The bug, the bug thing, like, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and are the kangaroos, I mean, they're quite cute and friendly as we see like on TV. They're fine. Yeah, again, unless you go up and, you know, get in their space or try and annoy them. And then if there's a male being protective, then yeah, you might get swiped. Okay. All right. I've never been attacked by a kangaroo. No. Wonderful. It's great that you've cleared all that up for the uh, people wanting to book tickets to Australia and Melbourne. So we've really clarified. We've really clarified. Okay, so I've bored you enough with your introduction in terms of (laughs) of Australia and wrong information of insects and kangaroos. So I'll give a little brief introduction about your background, Annalise. So can you let let our listeners know a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, sure. I'm happy to. Um, So I, you know my name and where I am. I have a marketing agency and I coach women in business to scale their businesses in a way that um, they still get to have a life, really. I have four young children. They are between the ages of two and 10 right now. And we homeschool, my husband and I. So I started my business in 2017. And shortly after that, my husband was able to come home from work. So we get to work in the business and homeschool the kids. Um, so that's a little bit about what life looks like. We own a bill to our own home. We started about five years ago. We're still not done. All right. <laughs> um, so that's fun. But yeah, so we were intentionally living how we want to live, which is fun, even though it's definitely not perfect. What Was there any reason, Annalise, with regards to um, trying to support, say, women, especially in the workplace? Was there any reason behind that? And why, why did you start that path? I started my business, David, because I wanted to, I wanted to have flexi time and work from home more. So we were, I, we were living in the city when I had two children, and I knew I wanted more children. And I was managing a national training organization, and we were moving two hours away to the beach, where we built our house. And I asked for flexi time, like I'd had during kind of maternity leave. I worked a few days from home, and you know it worked well. And I was declined flexi time. And I was told, actually, we want you in the office five days a week. I was only working four at the time. And so I quit because it would have meant leaving work at 7 a.m., leaving home at 7 a.m. to get to work on time. And my kids would have been asleep. And then it would have, I would have got home at 7 p.m. and they would have been asleep. And that wasn't the life that I wanted. So for me, starting my business, I felt forced to because we were moving regionally and back then there wasn't a whole lot of great career opportunities. So it definitely wasn't my goal. I just wanted a certain amount of money and (laughs) I felt like I had to do my own thing in order to get that plus get the flexibility. And so, Can I ask just quickly, what what was the reaction like when you quit? I mean, 
well, that's just a two-part question. A lot of organizations say, not a lot of them, but there's a number of organizations that promote, say, you know, we're here for you, our values are, we're here to support you. And, you know, uh, we want to look after your well-being, your health, all that type of stuff. And by any chance, did your company have that kind of values? Did they support that? No. Well, right. No. And which is funny because it was actually quite a women-led organization. The The founder was a woman. She was an older woman, but I suppose she, I think she was maybe in her 60s at the time. Right. And she had built this business over 40 years and I guess had done it that way. And so I, I don't know. I, I didn't ask questions really. And no, right. they didn't fight to keep me at all. And they replaced me with a man and they paid him a lot more than they were they, paying me. It's kind of interesting that your your the, the founder was a was a woman because I the, know, right? Yeah, because it's, I, I mean this is probably me being totally ignorant here. And if anybody's listening to this and they think I'm ignorant, please let me know. Um but you think that we might get a bit of kind of compassion or understanding, especially when you know you're just looking for a bit of flexi time to you know, work and and be with your family and so on. So were you quite surprised? But there was they didn't try to keep you or. Uh, I th- I was I was surprised I was declined flexi time because it had worked well during right. maternity leave, and the business had turned from the red to the black during like under my management on flexi time, and so it was clear that just they were trying to go in a different direction. Maybe they wanted. Maybe they didn't think it succeeded as well as it. I thought it did and the numbers suggested that it did. But I think too, it might have just been more of a traditional mindset. Right. About, you know, we didn't that just kind of wasn't done back then. This was pre-COVID, pre-work from home. Like I think the culture of the organization was you come in, it's um, you know, and a bit of a bum on a seat. Right. kind of thing. We're paying you to be here, how productive you are during that time. And I think that's actually quite common. My friends who still work in corporate, they still have a lot of those same things. They have to be at their office from nine to five and they get an email if they leave 15 minutes early going, remember your work hours are, you know, right. nine to five. It's like, I just, yeah, it, it gets, grinds my gears as they say. In, in in hindsight, I mean, looking back in that situation, is it is it just a case you think sometimes, Annalise, that it just doesn't work out? You know, sometimes employee with employer, it it just doesn't work for any known reason. Yeah, I, I think they can definitely do it better, but I right. wasn't going to fight for it. Yeah. I mean, in this case, it definitely did work out. I mean, it worked out much better than I thought. I mean, it was a long, kind of really bumpy road to get where I am, but I'm happier, I think, now than I would have been if I'd stayed in the role. Right. And, and you were saying with a little bit bumpy, I mean, was there days where, you know, just to give a kind of a feeling that anybody that's maybe going through a similar thing at the moment, um, mm. you know, how, how did you get over that part? I mean, did you have good support uh, family-wise or were you just very determined? Yeah, I think stubborn's probably the word for it. That's a good way. Stubborn's <laughs> a good word. <laughs> but just what I mean by bumpy is I was like, great, I'll start a business. And I'd never started a business 
before. Right. So, you know, you hire the wrong people, you charge the wrong amount, you have no, I mean, I'll speak for myself. I had no idea what I was doing. And it took me a year or two to kind of crack the code of like, oh, that's right. And probably another two years to like realize how to do finance and probably things properly. Right. Um, but just trying to get a business off the ground was like, oh, what am I like? This is hard. I thought I, I mean, I worked in marketing. I had a marketing degree and I started a marketing agency. I was like, I'm supposed to be good at marketing. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I was good at marketing. I was just terrible at sales. Um, right. So, yes, well, it, was a, well, it was a long, steep learning curve. But, but it's great, though. I know, people, I know people can look at what you're talking about, Dave. You know, it's great. But it is because you probably find yourself is that it, it can be quite daunting and overwhelming. But as you put the pieces of the puzzle together, eventually, mm-hmm. you know, there's a sigh of relief and go, wow, I, I did this and I created this. But it's interesting yeah. you mentioned there you hired the wrong people. So could you mm-hmm. kind of be a bit more broader about that? How Do you think at the beginning you just hired to hire to get somebody in? Or did you go, totally. okay, right. And was that, is it like kind of like a panic type of station that you kind of like, oh, I need somebody to help me, as you mentioned, in marketing or I need somebody to do the admin or is, is that the way it is at the beginning? Yeah, I just wasn't smart about it. So first I was like, oh, I need to be doing blogs because I need to get, I need to have SEO. So I hired an offshore writer and it was terrible and I wasted, you know, probably not that much money because I was paying them offshore rates. Right. So it was like lots of mistakes just in that one thing. And I tried to hire friends and then I had no idea how to lead, like in my own job, not being told how to do that. Like I mean, I'd led a whole, you know, I was managing a national team, so I did know how to lead, but it just didn't translate well because I hadn't done the jobs. I wasn't sure of exactly where we were going. I didn't have a proper vision. It was um, it was like learning, trying to build the plane as we're falling kind of thing. Right. So, yeah, I hired friends, but they couldn't do a good job because I didn't know what good looked like. They didn't have the right systems and support in place. Like now I know exactly what the problem was and it was me. Right. But then I was like, this isn't working. And now I'm, you know, now I've got this rift with this friend. And like it was just, it was so messy. (laughs) Would you you recommend, in your own opinion, looking back, that – would you have handled it different with your friends? Or would you, just, would you just say to anybody out here, don't hire a friend? <laughs> I mean, and the other question is, are you still friends with that friend that wasn't very good? I'm not, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not great friends with the, with that friend. Actually, I made that that decision more than once. So oh, okay. it's interesting. Some were still friends. Yes, yes, some were still friends. It was just, yes. The general rule, I would say, is don't hire your friend. Right. But but I now have a better process, a really robust process about hiring, which has to do with you know their competency and their character. And um and there's one other seed that I can't remember right now. Um but actually our hiring process is so um like such a multi-step process now right. where we're really making sure that they are the right fit, like that we want to spend time with them, that they have the right skills, that they actually have the right like moral character as well. Like they value the same things that we value in terms of 
integrity and over delivering and being on time and you know all of those things um, about how they show up in the workplace is what I mean by that Um, and then we have testing processes in place making sure that they they get filtered out before they even come in like you know spot the spelling mistake in the in the position description and tell us your favorite joke in the subject line of the email that you send to make sure that they have attention to detail and that we like their sense of humor. Because again, like you kind of learn from your mistakes and you go, this is, this is how I can then overcome that. So now six years in, um, I feel really confident in the hiring process. And if a friend met all of those, like ticked all of those boxes and you have, you know what good looks like and you can give them processes and checklists and a proper training program to do their job well, then it could be a friend. But just as a, you know, I need a bum on a seat. If, yeah, I personally, I wouldn't recommend it. uh, So anybody wanted to apply for a job for uh, Annalise, uh, make sure you get a spell check done. Make sure you have a very (laughs) good joke. Okay, <laughs> make sure I've, you have. I've, what type of jokes do you like, Annalise? Are they the Tommy Tickler ones, or are we talking, uh, you know, the knock knock uh, jokes type of thing? <laughs> I like silly jokes. Silly jokes, just okay. just a bit, just a bit silly, like you know. So bit, yeah, I, big, I can't remember warning. any right now. <laughs> <laughs> a big warning. So okay, I'm going to ask you this now before we move on to our main topic. This is what I find quite interesting. So you mentioned kind of values of of a candidate that you might want to hire or take on. Um, say if right, you had the best candidate possible in terms of skills, experience, they showed up on time, but you both didn't get on well. So mm-hmm. you just, for some unknown reason, you just don't get on well. Would you hire an individual like this or would you try and work at it? Um, or does it really matter if they're doing a great job? And how would you manage that? I know this is a curveball question because I'm always interested because we always hear the let's hire the best candidates. And but is attitude as important that you can get on well with each totally. other? Right. Totally. I mean, you spend more time with these people often than you spend with your family. You want to, at least for me, and I think the culture and the having the other people in the team enjoy their jobs and want to come to work is really important. And so for me, I like my company to be a workplace that helps my team achieve their goals. And we talk about that at the start, like, how can I help you get where you want to go? Like, is it a leadership position? Is it that you want flexi time? Is it that you, you know, want rewards built in that you want to travel every three months? Like, how can I make this the job of your dreams? And if there's someone in there that is, you know, rocking the boat or it's, having toxic energy, then we're not going to get the best out of the rest of them. And we're not just not going to have fun. So for me, I'd rather, like, there's billions of people on the planet. We can find someone who's good at it and we like spending time with. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. That's a, that's a good enough answer for me. You've ticked all the boxes there, Annalise. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, okay, let's move I'd on. I'd like then. my gold star. Thanks, David. Your gold star. Well done. Um, I'm trying to think of a joke now, just by the end of the uh, the podcast, just so in case uh, you look, you've op- even open position coming up soon. Um, <laughs> what about then kind of some of the challenges that women may face, you know, when pursuing certain goals either in career or their life 
I mean, what have you seen or what have you experienced? I know you went through some of that yourself, but even since then, you know, what what are some of the common challenges that women face? I think that balance is a challenge and some people say that it's non-existent and balance is non-existent in terms of equal parts of work and life, I think, or especially if you want to add in children in there and you want to have a you know, a a great relationship in there. Like if you want equal parts of those things, the equal part things is not going to happen all the time. So I think that that is a challenge, finding ways to prioritise filling your own cup and feeling good so that you can continue to pour out to your workplace, continue to pour out to your children, to your spouse, all of that. I think that that is a major challenge. A lot of women I find put themselves last in the, you know, in the pecking order. And I used to, and I had to learn how to be selfish in the best way, I think, because now I know that I am a better mother. I'm calmer. I'm more, I'm, I'm better when I show up for my team because I'm more disciplined. I have energy. I've got, you know, more creative ideas. I, can problem solve better. So I think finding time for well-being is a really big challenge. And um, also what we talked about in terms of the bum on the seat problem with companies just wanting someone in the office for eight hours or whatever that time period is, and it not being tied to performance. Like I think that there's something fundamentally wrong there that needs to change. And post-COVID, a lot of people have just kind of, a lot of companies I think have just pulled back into their old ways. I know a lot are better, but I think we we're measuring things wrong. Like I remember working in corporate and I was so I was so not productive. I'd spend time chatting with people. I'd, you know, be out like, you know, you'd go and make a cup of coffee every every couple of hours. Like there was so much wasted space. And I think we, with the old paradigm of, you know, factory worker hours versus how we actually work now, the technology we have and the goals we're trying to achieve, I think we're trying to fit the latter into the former and it just is not the best way to do it. So I look forward to seeing more innovative ways of working and measuring things and all of that. Do you, do you think, Annalise, I mean, just on, in your own opinion, we see a lot of marketing out there and in relation to you know, the companies in fairness are trying to promote um, women in certain roles within uh, certain industries, for example. Do you think, in your own opinion and your experience, that it's just marketing only and it's just the companies are just trying to promote that, look, you know, we're we're trying to show you that this is what we promote and this is what we support and this is the way the workplace is. But in reality, is it like that, do you think? Uh, I think yes and no. And I think 
I don't know if mark, I don't know if it's marketing. I don't know if it's just policy so that they can say that they're doing it. Maybe it is like that overall vision. Right. But in a lot of cases, it's actually stupidity. Like, I mean, maybe I'm a bit of a traditionalist if that's the right word for it. But for example, a friend's company, he's a managing director of a company and that's a you know, financial legal consulting firm. It's primarily male dominated. It there's multiple offices, and one of their offices is failing because the male stepped down who was leading that that division that um, office, and to fill a quota, they put in a woman who was not ready for that kind of role and didn't support her to okay. succeed in that role. And so, and in those cases, like, I think, I mean, I'll just speak for myself, but I think that women want equality as in equal chances, but not for the sake of, you know, the same with diversity inclusion. I'm all for including every single type of person, but not just for the sake to tick a box. That's just ridiculous. Like, I think the best person for the role is the best person for the role, whether they're you know, a man or a woman or regardless of or regardless of gender, regardless of, you know, anything, race, like whatever kind of category you can think of, right? Abilities. Yeah. The best person for the job should be the best person for the job. But I think a lot of the time either, like I think some companies probably aren't doing it. I know that I, I definitely know that men still get paid more than women. In a lot of instances, mine was one of those. Um, and I think that some places have gone too far the other way where there's industries where male males more males prefer to work, but they're trying to put a quota in there and force women into roles that less women want to do. So, And it's the same the other way around. They're trying to get men into nursing. Not a lot of men want to be nurses more. Right. Like it's just, I think that our biology, how we're built, we prefer certain roles in the majority, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't have the chance to go both ways. I just don't think we need to force it either way. So can we move on then? What about then the term ambition? So, I mean, is ambition, is it a big word for something else that's fancy that, you know, we want to follow our dreams and goals or should we all have a certain amount of ambition? Well, I think so. I think it makes life exciting. Um, and yeah, you're right. It is. It's dreams and goals, but it's dreams and goals that you're actually bringing to life. Because I, f- I found that a lot of women during those heavy mothering years would put their own dreams, their own goals, their own drive for themselves, the things that they wanted to achieve for themselves to the side and felt then selfish to be pursuing those things, thought that that would make them a bad mother, thought that that would, you know, pull them away from from their children or their their role as, as, you know, the leader in the home. So for me, for example, the plan 10 years ago was for me to be a stay-at-home mother. That was our plan. My husband was a carpenter. I, oh, I thought I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom and I lasted six months of a stay-at-home mom. And I was like, oh my gosh, give me a job. Like I just started <laughs> looking. I could not, I could not parent 24-7. I just was not cut out for it. 
And I did. I felt a bit guilty going, well, I don't know. I want to be home with my baby. I've always wanted to do this, you know. And then I realized kind of what I spoke about before is that actually the quality was better than the quantity. And when I stepped away to work a couple of days a week, when I came back, I was a I was a better mother because I was engaged and I wasn't you know, scrolling on my phone or trying to watch TV or have relax while I had my child. I could just separate them and be where I actually was. And being present where I am is still now something I really focus on. Like when I'm at work, I'm at work. When I'm with the kids, I'm with the kids. When I'm with my husband, I'm with my husband. And for me, that then makes me a more well-rounded, happy, fulfilled person. But I think we all do need ambition, something to, I heard Tony Robbins recently call call it a a compelling future. We want something to strive towards. We're humans. I think we need that. Did that frustrate you, Annalise? You mentioned there, you know, you had a young baby, a child, and but you had this kind of yearning, you know, to kind of get out of the house and get back to work. Do you think that's probably just because stereotypically, like I mentioned earlier on, we were talking about Australia, where you have like the spiders and the kangaroos and stuff like that. Do you think that puts a lot of pressure specifically on women that they feel that they have to, you know, follow these certain traditional ways or or stereotypes that it's women with the children and men that go to work? I mean, how did you feel that that was frustrating or how do, how do other women feel? I, don't, I think it's a really individual because I know women who love, love, love being at home, especially right. in the homeschooling space. Most of those women do not work that I have met in, you know, I've met with about 25 families every couple of weeks and we get together and most of those women don't work. I don't think I, any of those women work actually. And they love it. And that's amazing. And some women can't think of anything worse than homeschooling their children and just would lo- like love being having their high flying corporate career and and being with their kids in the evening and and weekends. And I think we should be understanding and respectful of again the whole spectrum. Like you know, with the jobs, some people want to do the more masculine, it's traditionally masculine jobs, and some want to do the more you know, just I think we can be understanding of the individuality that is the beauty about being human. And for me, my husband was is totally supportive. And when I said, actually, I'm going crazy, I need to work a couple of days a week, he was fine with that. And he dropped down a day, actually, I think. Okay. And we put we did daycare. We did daycare a couple of days and and we've been figuring it out, balancing it like that ever since. But it was just interesting that you know, this thing that we'd planned for, that we'd agreed on, I actually wasn't, did not enjoy. And is it a constant, you know, conversation, say with your husband, for example, that, you know, you have that communication system in place that, you know, if he's not happy, you support him. And is that is that what's important and vice versa, that he supports you? Yeah, I have a wonderful husband. He's great. And we... So I, I mentioned we built our house. So we've we've got four children. 2020, I was pregnant with the fourth. We he was home. That was lockdown year. We had, I think, the most stringent lockdowns in the world. I think they were saying. So we were locked down a lot. And so he was he was with the kids, and I was working online. I always I always had. So it didn't change anything for me. Um, and I was pregnant, so it was a nice chill cruisy. Yeah, really. 
And then 2021, the world opened up a little bit more and he could start building our house. So I had the baby and then I had a newborn. I had three other kids in and out of lockdown and the business and he was building the house. Now that was like a terrible year. It was really, it was really, really challenging, but we knew that he just had to finish the house and we had, we had a deadline to finish the house because the insurance, the building insurance was going to expire. We couldn't get any more. So we had to finish by a certain date. He was gone like 15 hours a day building the house. Then 2022, I, he took the kids full time because we moved into the house. He took the kids full time and I worked full time. And then at the end of 2022, last year, he was clearly not happy. He couldn't deal with the full-time parenting either. He just wasn't himself. He's like, no, I need a hobby or something. And so we've rejigged it. And then this year I'm doing half the kids and half work and he's doing half the kids and half work. And so it is that constant conversation of, with the exception of the year when we had to get the house done, of kind of testing and experimenting as the kids grow and going, hang on, this isn't, quite the right balance. What are we going to do to shift that? And we just, you know, it's a bit of a dance, but I feel like this year we're doing well. <laughs> so we've we've figured out a good balance. I mean, Annalise, look, I'm supporting your idea that he's a good husband, but why does he need a hobby? I mean, if he listens to this, why do you need a hobby when you've just built a house and you're sharing looking after the kiddies? Just relax, yeah. watch a bit of footy. Put the feet up. <laughs> he's not that. He's not that kind of guy. He's not that kind of guy. But you know, his hobby was actually working. He decided, like, <laughs> he's like, no, I think I just need to work a couple of days a week. I was like, sure. Yeah, we, <laughs> a hobby that makes us money, great. <laughs> he, he needs to do a podcast with me. We need to talk about relaxation techniques. <laughs> Maybe you, you might have to put your feet <laughs> up. Like, I don't have time for relaxation. <laughs> Um, no, what, does. About, what about then? I mean, do you think have, have things improved over the years? Like we're talking about women in the workplace. I mean, in your own opinion, has things improved for women? And you know, for an organization, if any organization is listening to this, what do you think they could do to help uh, improve? Because you mentioned you mentioned a scenario there before where there was a, a male that was in a senior position, and then they they put. Uh, the, the woman in and she may was not probably not ready and what can they do then to you know should they have like a shadowing technique or should be constant you know uh, appraisals and and to ensure that they have the best candidate for these positions but also to give women the opportunity that they can you know blossom when they have these roles i mean what, what can organizations do mm. i i i think we Need to stop talking about it in terms of male and female, to be honest. Okay. Is, is my opinion. And just if, because it's the same thing, like, right, my husband is a stay at home dad half of the week. And I think we need to allow for that as well, because I don't think it's just women who want to be doing things a bit differently. I think the companies can do this well by having training programs in place to raise up emerging leaders who want to, you know, or show signs of wanting to move into C-suite kind of, you know, managing director kind of positions. And I know those exist. I've worked for women who run those types of programs. 
that help people to build on the skills that they need in order to thrive and and succeed in in high level positions. So I think those things beforehand, rather than putting someone in prematurely, I mean, yes, you can do that and please support them and please have incredible training programs for every single role that you have. So that again, coming back to even when I was talking about more junior roles, they need to know what good looks like and how to do it because everybody wants to succeed and do a good job, but they just often don't get told what that is. So I think programs leading up to it, training when people are there and having different metrics to success and it not being tied to hours worked, but being tied to more, what are we trying to achieve as an organization? What do we, where are we going? And can we measure that so that even if someone's working four hours a day, but if they're ticking, you know, if if we're paying someone for a result, then it shouldn't matter how that happens as long as the team is functioning cohesively and all of that. And those can be metrics as well. But I think we need to think about it a little bit more innovatively than, than traditional workplaces have been. Do you think in your own opinion, Annalise, there's, there may be some resentment. So if we see say women being favored for certain roles and then men are being favored for other certain roles. Can that generate resentment, do you think, in your own opinion, in the workplace and with individuals specifically? Do you think that kind of demotivates them instead of motivates them? Because their attitude might be, well, I applied for this job twice and I know that, you know, she got it ahead of me and then I know he got it ahead of me. I mean, how how do you manage that? Mm. Um, good question. It's a really good question. Um, I think that a lot of people have a bit of a victim mentality and make it more about them than they kind of need to a lot of the time. I I'm typically like to be a little bit more balanced. And again, it's hard to speak to no, to not a specific situation. It, I think if you're in a culture where you can see that things are imbalanced, then just get out of there and go somewhere where it's not, where you can be appreciated for your talents and the value that you actually bring. A lot of people can be scared of change and and especially in the economy now, you know, what's on the other side. And so that can keep people stuck and unhappy. But this is our life. This is the one chance that we get on this planet let's not waste it being miserable or getting caught up in she got that position or he got that position or whatever and just know what you want, make sure it is what you want, not what society wants for you or what, you know, you think you've been you've been conditioned to want and then go after that. And if that means moving organisation, great. If it means going for that promotion, great. If it means, you know, having that really difficult conversation, go and have that difficult conversation. But I... I hope that people, I would encourage people not to get stuck there and let them, let other people dictate where they go in their lives. Do you think at least as well that in a bigger organization, for example, that, you know, women may get swallowed up, so to speak, because the company's so big and the organization might be just like profit driven and there might be places for growth and, mm-hmm. and ambition. I mean, in your own experience, is small beautiful instead of big or does it just depend on the individuals again? 
I think it really depends. I think probably yes. I think smaller companies can be more agile and the decision-making is less onerous. I have a friend who works for a really large luxury company and their you know, process of giving someone a promotion is like 18 months of like, you know, this, you have to kind of apply for it and then you have to wait for the budget and then they've got to wait and it's like six months in between and in small companies that's just not necessary. So potentially, yeah, and I think if you're willing to think outside the square, and even change industries and think about where your skills can be transferred, then often you can even get paid better in a smaller organization. Do you think as well, Annalise, that, and this is a question probably slightly off topic, but it has similarities. In an organization where they might have, say, 500 employees or 1,000 employees, but they have to recruit externally for a certain position, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Is, is it a possibility that the staff that are nurturing within the company, if they feel that, you know, well, they're not good enough, you're kind of, well, they've worked for you for four or five years, uh, they're not good enough and they have to hire externally. Is there something wrong with that? Mm, I don't know if I'm qualified to say, David. All right, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but just generally, because it is, it's kind of interesting sometimes where you see you know, there might be a, an organization and, and you know, they might post an advertisement within a company and then mm. they they then decide, oh, well, let's let's look at somebody outside. But is, is that a good thing as well, that to look for new, fresh ideas? Is- I think both is probably good. Again, just opening it up to get the best person for the role. And, yeah, I I really think that if you have a if you have a a detailed position description with the exactly exactly what you want and the KPIs attached to it and you put that out there then I think the broader the net the better because you're going to find someone who resonates with the detail in there and then either leans into that or leans out of it. So I don't think internal, external should really matter if if you're getting the best person, the best fit for the team. Great answer. You answered better than I could ever expected. Um, what about, <laughs> so before we move on to the business side of things, uh, your services and so on, your podcast, what, I mean, if you were to break it down and have an inspirational step-by-step guide to support any woman listening to this podcast to follow their dreams and ambitions, what would you what would you tell them? I will tell them to take the notebook and a pen somewhere quiet, somewhere in nature. Like park your bum on a log in a rainforest or go to the beach or something like that. And really get clear on what those things are because I think often it is clouded either with what we used to want or what, again, what society wants for us or what we're comparing ourselves to for someone else, but really get to the root of what is it that I actually want to achieve? What does success look like for me? What is living my best life look like? Because even often that can be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, 
not congruent. For example, I've worked with women who's told me they wanted to be home with their children and work from home and then also told me they wanted to be a, you know, a highly paid six-figure speaker. And I'm like, well, that means traveling. And they're like, oh, but I don't want to travel. I'm like, well, those two things aren't aligned. So really get down to what is it that you want and why and get make sure you're going after the right thing because I find a lot of people aren't clear on what they want and why. And if you're going to continue to take steps towards that thing, you need to be really clear on what that is. You need to have that vision strong because it's going to be bumpy. And then from there, that can be maybe, you know, the 10-year vision. I think, okay, well, where do I need to be in three years, be working towards that thing? Or maybe the vision can be achieved in three years, but what is that? What does that look like? And then break it down a little bit more. Well, where do I need to be in one year? Okay, then. And where do I need to be in three months? And then create a three-month plan where you've worked down, okay, well, week one, this is what I'm doing. Week two, this is what I'm doing. Week three, this is what I'm doing. And I know that sounds really granular, but especially, I mean, I work a lot with women in business. And so these they are working on their business every single day or every single week. And so this is what the the process that we use to make sure that we're climbing up the right mountain and we're actually making progress all the time. Is it good at least then to kind of, you know, ask questions as well? Because sometimes we can possibly be led, I'm talking about myself now, where you see an advertising for a position or a role and it looks very glossy and fancy and that's the job I want. But what would you suggest, I mean, for an individual, whether it be a man or a woman, um, should they ask questions? Is it a good idea to connect with, say, management or people internally within the companies and, and find out? Because sometimes there can be a different perception of how somebody finds a role or a job. So should you just ask one person or would you ask two or three people within the company to see what it's like rather than joining a company and realize, oh, this is not for me? What would you suggest there? Yeah, I think initially... I mean, you're interviewing them just as much as they're interviewing you. So I'd encourage you to think about it like that because, again, this is where you're going to spend most of your life or most of, you know, your waking hours is going to be in a role. So, you know, you want to make sure that it's a good fit, that's a really good use of your time because if you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to everything else. So I would normally there's a phone number going, you know, call this number for information. And I would go with your questions and don't, don't filter them. Be really honest. You know, what are the working hours? Like whatever matters to you, I would be asking those questions. I think if you, the asking additional people might be a bit challenging, but I guess during the interview process if you're in the office you can request to do that and hopefully they will get you to meet different members of the team and things but um definitely make that first conversation and know what what your deal breakers are what your you know heck yeses and heck nos are and ask (laughs) the difficult questions so okay we've done all that we've done all the research we've started a job and it's it's day one the job and you've realized uh uh-oh I've made a mistake. <laughs> so how how long do you give it, do you think? I mean, is there a time span or do you know in your gut, uh oh, this is not for me? What would you what would you day suggest? Day one's a little bit soon. I think day one's a little soon. Okay. 
Um, day, day two. <laughs> 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 what, what would you suggest, Annalise? Oh, it's so hard. I don't know. I mean, it depends on the situation, right? If you're getting screamed at on day one, then yes, goodbye. Right. Um, <laughs> I... I work a lot with marketing, right? And we work in in at least kind of like three-month batches. So I don't know whether you need to wait three months, but I'd I'd wait till you have enough data to make sure that you're making the right call. That's a good answer. That's that's an excellent answer. Okay, let's move on then. I'm looking and being nosy while we're chatting. Uh, I do apologize my ignorance. Um, I'm on your website, your fabby website, analysewarn.com. And you have a podcast. Uh, what's the podcast called? It's called The Podcast with wow, Annalise okay. Warren. Cool. And obviously <laughs> so, it's much, so original. <laughs> it's very original, but it's obviously much better than this one. So what is it about, Annalise? Well, it's had a bit of an evolution. It used to be called The Mum Style Business Podcast, and I was speaking a lot to mums and encouraging mums because after I – brought my husband home from, from work, I kept getting asked, how, how did I do that? How do I do marketing? So I started teaching people how to DIY their own marketing. And a lot of women thought that what they wanted to do was just not achievable, thought it was harder than, you know, that they couldn't do it. So I started the podcast to share stories of women who who were running their own businesses and um, going after what they wanted in that, in that way. And now it's evolved, what, three years later? Yeah, maybe three years later. And now I realized there was actually a lot of men listening to the podcast, so I changed the name. Okay. And now (laughs) it is. (laughs) But it's still about that, right? It's still about living. It is about business. It's about creating a life-first business because we don't we start our business for freedom typically freedom in what we do freedom in how much money we can make freedom in how we work who we work with all of that but businesses are typically these time and money insatiably hungry monsters and they'll give what they'll get they'll take whatever we give them and normally we love them and so we give them a lot but that's not why we created them so it's just about have strategies to keep marketing simple and to scale your business in a way that doesn't lead to burnout and juggling and it's interviews with incredible people doing incredible things and giving back through their businesses and everything like that. Why do you think, Annalise, that more men were listening? Why do you think that is? I'm not sure. I'm not sure more men, but I knew a few men were listening. Maybe they were for my friends. I don't know. <laughs> Do you, do you think maybe they're kind of inquisitive, trying to find inside information? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's called mum style business, right? A play on yeah. lifestyle business, but to just make it family friendly. And I think everyone wants that. Like what we were talking about. I don't think it needs to be men and women and, you know, everything in between. We don't need to label. I'm kind of a bit against labels, to be honest. I think we can, we're humans and we all, kind of want really similar things, which is we want to enjoy our life and have an impact on the planet. And so this was about how to do that, running a business. So it does, it it applied to men and women, even though I naturally speak more to women because that's my lived experience. Right. So um, I think that's why, just because it is about, it was about business without burnout, really. 
And, and what is free CEO? Free CEO is amazing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tell us more. <laughs> it is um it is an all-in-one marketing and sales CRM software platform. So typically when you're running a business and you're marketing your business, you need like 15 different software platforms because you've got something to schedule your social media and you've got somewhere to book calendars and you've got your website and you've got your landing pages somewhere else and you've got your sales platform and you've got somewhere to post your course and you've got, you know, somewhere to look at your analytics and there's all of these different things going on. Somewhere to send you emails and this software platform we started using for our our clients. So I've got a marketing agency. So we started using it for them for about 12 months. We used it and it's, we white label a software that's used by more than 10,000 different agencies. And after 12 months of using it, I realized how incredible it was. And so we built into it a heap of templates, a heap of beautiful website, um, website templates and email automations and everything that you can't get on the raw version. And now we sell it as FreeCO. So it's a software platform that is all in one and it is amazing. It works for all types of businesses from nonprofits running in-person events to trades and construction to counselors and psychologists. So um, that's what it is. It makes life so much easier if you're running a business. Pretty cool. I mean, I'm looking here now. It's it's a, you can. Is it true you can claim your free 10 day trial? Is that right, Annalise? It is true. Wonderful. <laughs> so it's telling the truth already. It's we're on a good start. So it has website funnels, landing pages, communication as you mentioned, email, two way texting, Facebook, Instagram, DMs, social media, calendar bookings, surveys, quizzes, chat widgets, contract signing, email, automation, client payments, review management. My word. Okay. It's, uh, it just puts everything in one place. It's it it's really amazing. I tried to break it for twelve months, David. That's why I, how how dubious I was, having been in the game for so long, and I couldn't oh. break it. And I was like, okay, everybody needs this. Okay, <laughs> pretty cool. So free. <laughs> so freeco.tech is a website. Is that correct? Correct. Brilliant. And the link is on your own. It's you can go directly from analysewarren.com directly to free CEO website as well. And the link there is for the podcast. So before we go. The, what other services do you provide? I mean, are you doing, say, conversations with individuals? Are you trying to help individuals, organizations still? Um, what other services do you have, Annalise? Yeah, yeah, both. So we, I still have a marketing agency that's primarily led by a team now, but any new clients come through me. Um, and I work primarily with women in business, but not only women. And we, I work with strategy. So we will create a, typically we'll work together over three months and create a 12 month business strategy. And then we may or may not work together in a coaching capacity to bring that to life. And I've got a couple of group programs that help people who are moving from being a solopreneur to building a team or building an agency, um, but a lot of what I do now is is one on one strategy work, and then coaching over over a period as they make that happen and build out their marketing funnel and and start to get clients and start to hire people. Pretty cool. That's what I do. I love it. I love and it so much. 
And if somebody wants to reach out to you, I mean, is it just via the website as well? Or are you on all the wonderful yeah. social media platforms and LinkedIn? Come find me on Instagram. That would probably be the best place. I'm there most days. So come say come and say hi. Come and let me know you found me here and um we can talk about David. <laughs> well, well, everybody talks about David. Our, our, our mutual, our mutual appreciation of David. <laughs> That's it. Yes, Not, nobody has a mutual appreciation of David. I can assure you. So, before we go, Annalise, I did promise you a joke, right? And oh, okay. this is for when you have a new vacancy coming up, an international vacancy that's uh, based in Ireland. So, why did the marketing team start a band? <laughs> I don't know. Because they wanted to hit all the right campaigns and chords. Oh, <laughs> stop it. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> ah, okay, moving swiftly Thank on. Thank you. No worries. I appreciate it. I try to, I thought I, yeah, anyway, moving on. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, you're going to have to replay that. You will probably to try and get it. But anyway, we'll, 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 uh, yeah, we'll move that one on. Um, so thanks so much to uh, Annalise Warren for chatting today on the Wellbeing Career Podcast. Uh, once the podcast has been approved, uh, all the links to Annalise to get in touch with her and all the information will be placed on the podcast. So uh, thanks so much, Annalise, for chatting with today. Thank you so much for having me.